first and foremost, gang, uh, good afternoon uh, to all the advisors and team members that are uh, that are listening. Uh, first and foremost, as well, Trevor and John, thanks for your partnership. I think this is uh, John. This is our 100th rodeo together. Trevor, it's uh, your and my maybe third or fourth rodeo together. Um, and thanks for offering this up to the advisors across Texas and the teams, frankly, across Texas and uh, and New Mexico. Uh, gang, I'm really excited and uh, and really optimistic to kick off uh, the session today. And I'll I'll get out of the way pretty quickly because you didn't come to hear me uh, to hear me talk. But I I was thinking about the topic that uh, Trevor and John are going to run through. The title, of course, is 10x growth, which you won't be surprised to hear a lot of energy and a lot of passion and a lot of strategy and tactic from both of these gentlemen around how to really uh, supercharge and hypercharge the, the growth in your business. But I was thinking about, you know, in, in knowing that I was going to kick today's call off, I was thinking really about what message I wanted to share with all of you. And I was reflecting on this year. And I know that it's been said on a variety of occasions, you know, catch lines or one-liners like, hey, don't let a crisis go to waste or seek opportunity during times of crisis, which, you know, for the better part of this year between the pandemic and some of the market volatility, we've been in some form of disruption or change or discomfort or some may even call it crisis. So I think it's well documented that we want to be taking advantage of that. But I started to think about maybe one point of view that I have that the financial advisors and their teams probably don't have is that I spend about a third of my time outside of Ameriprise within the industry. And what I mean by that is, is that I'm actively recruiting advisors and looking for practices to buy at other companies. And I thought I'd share with you in my two or three minutes of opening today, something that I find absolutely fascinating right now in the external environment and it led me this morning to think about why this is. So I said, I'm gonna tell everybody on this call today that we at Ameriprise are having a record recruiting year. So I was like, I'm gonna start and tell you guys that, that more people have joined us this year during this period of uncertainty and pandemic and crisis than have ever joined us before. But then it, it hit me and I was like, I need to figure out why that is. Why is that? And I realized because there are a lot of advisors out there that wanna take advantage of this opportunity and they realize that their firm and that their peers are doing nothing. They are in absolute survival mode. They are not reacting to the environment. They are not investing forward for the environment. They're not proactively planning or doing anything to take advantage of what's going on right now. And they actually said, as much as it's not the ideal time to go resign from my company and move my whole client base to another firm, I literally cannot afford to stay where I am if I want to take advantage of this opportunity. And they're convinced that, you know, my leadership team, the firm that we have, their peers, all of you here at Ameriprise are working proactively and aggressively to take advantage of this opportunity. And so I'm not going to even begin to remotely start to talk about the strategies and tactics that John and Trevor will do. I'll just share with you that what the summary of my view of the external landscape right now is the far majority of companies and the far majority of advisors are in total reaction mode and the opportunity for you to not only add value for your existing clients, but to take new land, to take more territory, to capture and frankly steal clients from other advisors who are underserving them and are not showing up and helping those clients today that opportunity may be as great today as it has been in a decade. It probably hasn't been as good since the 0809 crisis. 
And so I'm excited to hear from John and Trevor today. Unfortunately, I can only stay till the bottom of the hour. So I'm going to stop talking so I get at least 23 minutes worth of, of uh, education and fulfillment today for myself. Gentlemen, thank you guys for your consistent partnership. Um, you guys do an amazing job at Dynamic Directions and coaching many advisors across our, our region and across our country. Um, and I appreciate uh, what you guys are going to do today. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Hey, thank you, Brian. We really appreciate you and uh, uh, the opportunity to be here. And thank you for all the great participants we have on. We have a really nice list. I know a ton of you are going to be watching the replay. I got your emails. Uh, we'll have that out here in the next couple of days. But uh, 10x growth, I think it's, it's uh, very realistic to do it in a quicker timeline than Trevor's going to talk about that he grew his business by 10 times. It's an amazing story. We're going to go through every step of the way, how he did it, what you can implement in your practice to get that level of growth. So I think I know all of you um, in here, for those of you that, that don't, I've been around Ameriprise for 21 years, uh, mostly as an advisor. The last 17 years, I've been doing a lot of coaching, uh, consulting, and that's what I do full-time now. Last few years, I do that 100% of my time. I love it. I love success stories like Trevor and helping practices grow is really my mission. So Trevor's got a remarkable story that we're going to learn more about. Um, he grew his practice from literally 250,000 GDC when we met, you know, about 11 years ago. Uh, he closed it out at uh, right around 2.8 million uh, last October. Uh, sold his practice for record uh, multiple record price. Me, uh, really exciting what um, what he's okay. been able to do here. So. Uh, um, I would be sure to mute your lines as we go here, but uh, let's dig into Trevor's awesome story here. You know, as we go through this, just kind of keep in mind that a lot of these best practices, you know, they've come from our community of advisors that we have. And what Brian mentioned, Dynamic Directions, we have a lot of coaches, a lot of practices plugged in, and uh, we're really proud of our community of sharing and giving best practices to each other to accelerate that growth. And uh, we consistently have one of the fastest growing group of advisors. And one concept to keep in mind is you grow here and you understand what Trevor's thinking, his mindset, just be aware of your own and pay attention if you have any self-limiting beliefs going on in between your ears, because they're really the things that hold you back from results. Whatever's going on in between our head is what determines our behaviors and our behaviors is what determines our results and it's cyclical. So if you have something holding you back, like, gosh, I don't know if I want to ask my best clients for referrals. I don't want to disrupt the relationship. Well, you're never going to ask. You're never going to get top clients like them. So um, just pay attention to Trevor's mindset and yours and see if there's any gaps. I think that's really important as we go. So Trevor, we're going to hit on, on some of these highlights here that we talked about just really that went through the progression yeah. Um, so we're going to hit all these areas in the agenda, but let's go back to the beginning. You know, what was it like when we first met right. around those recession years, 08, 09? Um, what was going on with you at that time, Trevor? Yeah, thank I love um, talking about marketing and, um, you know, I, I, I will say this. It's all I've known is American Express and Ameriprise, and I'm, I'm excited to be able to help more advisors on organic growth and marketing. So I started right out of college in 2003, like many of, of you, trying to figure out how to do it and somehow survived. And I thought I was doing good in 05 and 06. Then I went 
to the to the franchise channel in November of 2008. And so you can imagine what that was like. It was kind of like February, March of this year. Deep, deep recession, panic, uncertainty, um, very difficult. And I, I, I landed in P2 in the franchise channel. It was just my wife and I at the time. Uh, I was not in a great situation with where I was sharing office space. I was stuck. Um, I had limited beliefs. You know, like I remember, I remember having a conversation with my wife, John, and I said, uh, Christina, I didn't call her Christina. I probably called her babe. <laughs> and I said, we may have to sell one of our cars and start carpooling. I mean, it was rough. It was really bad. And, and uh, it, through 09, I, you know, I, I, I tried to survive. And that's when I met John through, like, I really believe this, through a divine providence and that's kind of how my story began. I started to, to think differently, get out of my own way, get outside of the practice and realize that, you know, I can do this. And that's what you what you refer to as the D2 community and all of the different advisors and seeing what they were doing and stealing. A lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, I stole and, and made it my own. So, you know, to answer that question, I was in an absolute bad spot in a funk um, and I needed to get out of it. So Trevor had a, a a really fast start, and Trevor had you had around fifteen million under management, but you're only doing about two fifteen GDC. And when you look at just you know Ameriprise averages, industry averages, um, you know in Ameriprise it's it's kind of close to one percent is around what the top advisors do. You look outside of Ameriprise, it's it's even higher. So uh, we looked at what was some of that low hanging fruit sitting around the practice. So. So let's talk about that and doing more with, with clients. I'll, I'll just throw out this concept here that uh, price and value are a critical balance in any service industry, which we certainly are. The products and the services we provide, value and price are always evaluated. If your value is very strong and people can interpret it, the price really doesn't matter. So that's usually one of the first opportunities is a lot of advisors don't price their services appropriately. And there's tons of opportunities sitting around that they're just either not seeing or they're not prioritizing to, to go after. So I'm just gonna put a bunch of them on the screen, but for you, Trevor, what jump started that first year when you dug into clients and pretty much doubled with a bunch of stuff that was just sitting around within your practice? Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing you brought up is, you know, your fee structure is, is absurdly low, way out of whack. And you gave me some data about people that were um, X amount of years in and the CFP, and this is what they were charging. And it took some time and, you know, it, it took some convincing. But then I came up with this value. You always got to start with value. How are you going to deliver value? And um, I said, you know what? I think I was charging, you know, 400, 500, 600 bucks for financial planning, and I wasn't doing financial planning and delivering uh, what, you know, we, we, we have been over the last five years. So um, that was our starting point. And, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my fees went up 3X, 4X, because I was doing more planning and I was charging more. And we looked at asset management. And, and like you said, that first year, we went basically from 300 to 600, and that was the easiest low-hanging fruit to tackle. Um, and that was, believe it or not, 
a fairly easy conversation with clients. When I presented it on one page, what I was doing and why, I probably had one out of 150 people push back a little bit. And so that's another point of that limiting belief that I had that I had to get out. I had to get out of my own way. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. I think our our advice services are probably the miss, most mispriced uh, uh, of of all the things that we can offer. That one is is so low compared to what everyone else is charging in the industry. Um, you know, within a marrow price, the average is a little over twelve hundred. This is my favorite statistic. I learned last year in one of your Texas Elite Growth Forum groups, the AAC, the call center people, their average ongoing financial advice fee is $2,500, average annually. And it's double what you are on the call here who are significantly more experienced and have a lot more value to bring to clients. So. It's astounding when you look at that, and then you look outside of Ameriprise, look at the industry, and gosh, the average fee according to the FPA, Financial Planning Association, gosh, you're getting close to 5,000 average fee. It's, uh, it's really significant. So um, I think that's a great one, Trevor, that, that your pricing is a big opportunity. Now, what about other business that was around? What other uh, business did you go after outside of just increasing fees? Yeah, so that was year one, right? That is what we focused on and along with marketing, which we're going to talk about. Year two was insurance. I was doing little to none, maybe zero insurance. And, you know, I needed help there. And so we figured out um, what strategies. We looked at the book. We, we, and, 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 and that was really something that I was missing out on. I'm calling myself a comprehensive financial planner and a CFP. And I'm not delivering advice on the on the entire picture. And so I had to I had to learn. I had to get uncomfortable and then I had to start presenting where there were needs. I didn't do it to everybody, but certainly if I'm doing zero insurance with a, a practice of 150 or 200 clients at that time, I was missing huge opportunities to help clients insure. And by the way, I had some experiences in that later in my career that um, changed changed the widow's life and so we don't need to go off on the weeds there but it wasn't like we were just looking to sell stuff we were looking to do the right thing based on a financial plan and man did that ever make a difference in some of my clients down the road yeah it's really amazing what's possible practices that have 50 million under management you can do six figures in insurance cdc and you can do it every year the opportunities are there i think mean, that's a big one we get busy uh, it's, it's, it's not something we focus on, but it's amazing what business is sitting there within your practice. So growth, fundamental number one, you can always be doing more with what you have. I think the second growth fundamental is, is one of the areas where Trevor really excelled. And, and I think one of the things that he's most regarded for in, in our group in, in D2, but also all of Ameriprise, uh, which really, this is what fueled his growth so much. So Trevor, what, what shifted here? You know, let's think from the beginning, the way you were marketing to, um, you know, how you started this wave of momentum. What shifted for you in the process? You know, I, I think uh, I used to hate this term and I maybe do still to, to some extent, which was, yeah, I had to shift my mindset, shift my paradigm. I used to hear that all the time and think, oh my gosh, please don't tell me about, you know, that. Um, but I just didn't have the confidence to go out and 
and, and ask for new business or approach high net worth clients, I still had an age issue. I see there's some younger people on here. You know, I was 28 or 27 at the time. I started working with John. And so there was a lot of that that I had to get through um, where, you know, five, 10 years later, I, 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 I was ready uh, or, or I had a belief. So there was some self-limiting beliefs there. Um, but then I didn't fully understand the opportunity either. And what Brian said to some extent is, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they're not only not delivering exceptional comprehensive advice, a lot of times they're not even communicating with their clients. And once you understand that, it's like everybody should be working with me and my team because we are truly delivering exceptional advice and an experience um, that most other firms, wirehouses, whoever are not, are not delivering. So again, I had to get out of my own way. I had to experience and see what other practices were doing and then understand like, well, they could do it and we could do it. This to me is one of my favorite concepts here when it, when it comes to marketing. You know, in marketing, you can spray and pray. You, know, you can randomly go out after anybody and you're pretty much gonna pray about your results or you can target and harvest. You can know what sliver of the marketplace are you going after and you can target those results. So uh, I write about a lot of this in, in my book. If you don't have it, I'll give everyone an opportunity to get it for free. But um, I talk about that, the inefficiencies of just trying to cast a wide net and catch anything that might be out there versus going after exactly what you want. And there's, there's a lot of ways to go about it. Um, uh, Trevor and I just did uh, some webinars for our community on niche marketing after how to really expand upon, you know, commonality, which might be two clients that have something in common. How can you expand upon that further, which might be two people working at the same place and expanding upon that further. And I remember the light bulb going off for you, Trevor, on, hey, I've got some clients. They work at the same place. They're, they're pretty good, and it might be nice to have more people like that. So, so what was that like to start to, to, you know, go from a wide focus down to a targeted group of people to attract? Yeah, it was probably the biggest um, opportunity that fueled growth, especially in the back half of, of the journey we're talking about. Um, because once you tackle fees and insurance and some of these things that you you ought, you should be doing, the low-hanging fruit is, is gone, right? So then you've got to figure out how to grow. Um, and the best way to grow, in my opinion, is organic. It's the most cost-effective, best return on your investment. That's all I know. I've never purchased a practice. And the best way to grow organically is to gain scale. And that's, if you look at all the top advisors in Ameriprise and really in the industry, they have a niche. Or, or they have multiple niches. And then you, you have a process and a system and you become well-known um, kind of as the expert. And so what was interesting is, is I didn't even know I had that until we did an exercise together. And it was, it was kind of like that light bulb that you said, uh, you know, you've got 15 or 20 clients with this company. You like working with them. They've got great benefits. And if they stayed at that company for 20 plus years, they all have seven figures. Well, well, how do we get more of those? Okay. And so it didn't, it didn't become clear immediately. We're going to talk more about it. I did all sorts of events and tried to figure out how to ask for referrals and social media, but 
we did it and we failed and then we got back up and we got really good at those two or three things. And then at the end, just to give everyone on the call some perspective, when I exited, I, I probably had 400 clients total. My guess is, is that half of those were from one of two companies. Just to give you an idea of how we gained scale and we just became experts at those companies and those benefits. And we used to do events. We had a specific referral ass and a script and everything was to get more and more clients in, in those, uh, in those two companies. Yeah. yeah. If, uh, if, if you want more information about, um, you know, how to focus the, the benefits of niche marketing, um, we, we got a replay from literally from yesterday that we just did email me. I'm happy to send you a, a replay that one. There's some great stuff, but this focus was key on the key opportunities was a, a massive shift. It wasn't, I'll take a client anywhere that comes from a lunch and learn or a fishbowl or cold calling or whatever the method may be. It was, I want people that work at this place because they're all really good clients. And so the other aspect of this, what once you know, Trevor started to really shift in the gear is he was consistent. He always dedicated time every week to marketing. This is where a lot of practices fail. I see is they just get really busy with their clients and they don't really dedicate time to it. So talk about that, Trevor. How did you always, the whole way, make sure that marketing was a priority for you? Yeah, well, I mean, look, you're going to make time for what's important. Moreover, your team's going to follow you. So if, if you delegate marketing or don't put priority on it, no one else will. And so what we used to do is we track numbers to the dial and I would incentivize that heavily for my team. We would report numbers every Monday at 1030 and then every Monday at four o'clock, kind of like I was still in P1, I would do a marketing kickoff and the, my AFAs and my team knew that that literally was the most important time of the week, could not schedule anything else there. And we used to have fun. Uh, you know, I would follow up with a referral or we would follow up with an event. We'd watch a video. We were talking about marketing. So if you want results, you got to place priority on it. If you want massive results, you've got to place massive priority and then take massive action. Um, if you don't think about marketing, I mean, I used to think about marketing. That's what I like. I'm, I'm not very analytical, so I didn't really enjoy that part of it. Um, but you know, if you want to drive the top line, you've got to be thinking about marketing a lot. And so that's what was, that was my mindset. And then in turn, that was my team's mindset. We were looking for opportunities. Um, and some of our best ideas just came, you know, from thinking about it and brainstorming and, and, and having that time every week. So, um, you know, one of the things I liked about um, when I would go and visit Trevor, is he had a whiteboard, and someone just passed a great question here, thank you. Um, he had this whiteboard where he put the opportunities to track new business, it was all on there, and it was very important deal for him and his team. So talk about how you, you made that a priority and you used that to focus on these opportunities. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the old saying is if you don't know your numbers, you don't really know your business. And so I had a huge whiteboard and it was uh, both sides and we laid everything out from business to pipeline to assets and net flows. And, and, and again, I tracked everything and updated it quarterly. 
Moreover, I had my AFA's report numbers. And so if we saw 40 meetings in a week, I was expecting, you know, referrals came up X or Y amount of times. And so, um, and I incentivized the whole team. And so if you didn't do it, then you were letting down our, our team members on the staff side. And then on the other side, I had my entire marketing calendar listed out and we used to have specific times and think days to get outside the office and, and think outside the box. And then we would come up with ideas and some of our best marketing concepts, like some, you know, I talked about this on the webinar. We, we were down here in Houston and we wanted to target just these two or three companies, Blue Collar Energy, and we came up with beer, barbecue, and bugs, or beer, bugs, and barbecue. And we had a ton of fun, right? It was crawfish. I hired a band. And I didn't know that it was going to happen. It turned into to a reunion event. And think about how powerful that is. All of my clients from these companies that retired look forward to it every year. And it was in, usually in April. And then for people that were still out there working, and, and then I, you know, we're going to talk about this. I was very direct on what I wanted in my referral ask and in my events, I said, invite everybody you know at these companies. We're gonna have a ton of fun. I'm not gonna talk business. And it just started to grow and grow and we became well known. So again, if you don't ever think about marketing, I mean, think about this logically. If you don't ever think about marketing or don't place priority, priority on it, how, how is that ever gonna translate logically into new clients and new assets? So shifting along the way is an important concept here because Trevor tried a lot of different things. I mean, gosh, in the beginning, trying to get access to these people was, gosh, maybe I'll do a social security seminar or something. And then he learned, hey, some of them go to this barbecue place and maybe I'll go there to, you know what, they don't want a fancy steak dinner, beer, bugs, and barbecue or, or hot dogs. Like that's the kind of event that, uh, that they were into. So he was constantly shifting. Every year was evaluating uh, what was our return on our investment of time and energy and money into these events? Uh, what did we get out of it? And uh, and you you've got to pay attention to those things and and shift along the way. The marketplace just had a huge shift in the last what five and a half months, and um, you know we got to shift along with it. It's a lot more virtual now, which we've done a ton of these webinars about virtual marketing, but. That's just one of the ways that you've got to be sort of dynamic and be able to shift as you go. Um, it's, it's, you know, you, you try approaches, uh, you throw out what's not working, you do more of what is working is really important here. So let, let's just, let, let's, let's get to some of the things that really worked in, in marketing, some of the, 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 the key areas. I wanted to highlight um, just some of Trevor's net flow numbers were, were pretty strong, as you can see. I mean, uh, just under 10 million was a crappy year. <laughs> Most years, 15, 20 million. Um, you know, one year clips over 40 million. So, I mean, these, these are great numbers and uh, uh, a lot of action there. But it was really these three areas is what Trevor determined were his real highlights. Um, we've done a lot of webinars and we've gone really deep with this, but um, when it came to referrals, everyone asked, you know, gosh, what was your approach, Trevor? How did you do it? So he's got a great way that he frames it in this IPA model. You may have gotten some, some of the uh, videos about it, but Trevor, take us through this model. How did you ask people for referrals that led to so much in new business? Yeah, and, and look, make no mistake, no matter what we talk about here, 
the biggest driver is referrals. So don't chase the, the shiny object. Like doing virtual events is cool and bringing in a sommelier and doing this event, social media. That is important. But your biggest lever is referrals. It always will be referrals. And just to give you an idea, I went back as we're coaching advisors. And I went back to my 2019 business plan. And it was $3 million plus in GDC and 50 clients acquired uh, $30 million in flows or something like that. 40 of the new clients, the high value clients in my marketing plan were coming from referrals. So just know if you don't get anything else from this, you've got to figure out referrals. And so what I found, John, is, you know, I, I, I did this and I just basically made a decision that we were going to bring up referrals, but we weren't going to be weird and it wasn't going to be awkward. I think that's a big mistake a lot of advisors make. You know, you're not going to make the client get out their phone and like, you know, look at, look at their LinkedIn connections. That just wasn't my style. Um, and, and if it makes it awkward for you, then I think you're less apt to continue to bring it up, which, by the way, is the most important thing. If you bring up referrals in the worst way possible ever and, you're, and you still do it consistently, it will fundamentally change the front end of your, of your practice. Guarantee it. OK, it's also the most cost effective way, by the way, it's free in your leveraging your biggest asset, which is your existing client base. Um, so this is what I came up with because I was coaching clients and I'm just, you know, I'm basically just saying, Hey, you got to bring it up, do this, do that. And I really thought back to how did we do it? We didn't do it the same way every time, but we basically had this kind of overall model. And so I came up with it. IPA. It's catchy. It's, 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 uh, it's going across the nation right now, John, like you wouldn't believe it's the new, it's the new way to bring up referrals. IPA, if you like beer, you should be able to remember it. But it went like this. And and be glad to role play or go into a lot more detail if you want to reach out to me or John and craft your own referral ask. But I always started off with I. And that was at the end of the meeting. And I would say, John, hey, thanks so much. We really accomplished a lot. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything we can do to improve our service, our value, our advice? We want to be exceptional at what we can control. Obviously, in 2020, especially, we cannot control the market, the election year, the pandemic. But what we can control, we want to be exceptional at. Is there anything we can do to improve communication or anything like that? And then I would be quiet. And this is you're genuinely asking them a question and you want to hear their feedback. And sometimes I would get great feedback or advice on things I could improve. And we would implement that. Right? Some of our best ideas came from that question. A lot of times clients will say, you know what? We think you're amazing. We appreciate the communication. We know it's been difficult. We really appreciate the partnership and everything that you've done for us. And that is a phenomenal response because you're, you're about to ask them for an introduction and they've just thrown up a softball now for you to hit it out of the park when it comes to referrals. The second piece that I did I call praise because everyone likes to hear how great they are. There's no one that doesn't like to hear about how amazing they are, right? And so I would say, I would tell them why I love them as a client, but if you, if you pay attention, I'm really qualifying here. So I would say, John, thank you so much for that feedback or I appreciate those compliments. It means a lot. We've accomplished a lot over the last 10 years. And let me be honest, you're one of the clients I really enjoy working with. The reason for that is, is because we laugh, we have fun. Uh, you work at X company. 
you make six figures, you have a seven figure net worth, you're approaching retirement. I'm telling him all these things. And, and without basically coming out and saying it, I'm kind of saying that's what I'm looking for, right? Those are my ideal clients, but I'm telling them in a way where I'm really praising him, okay? And that, I just want to highlight this for the, the niche. If he works at one of these companies, then I would probably say, you work at this company, which by the way, is the largest percentage of my client base. I know that company inside and out. Like I, again, I'm setting it up here, right? And so then I'm going to transition into the actual ask. And so this is about the easiest way to ask because you've asked for feedback. You've then told them they're amazing. And you're going to then say something like this. Don't overcomplicate it. Just be very straightforward and simple. And I, I've got three ways. We probably don't have time to go into all of that right now. But you could just say, with that being said, John, is there anyone else you know like you that we should be working with or that would benefit from a financial planning relationship like we have? And then be quiet. This is the, this is a, advisors make this mistake all the time, but just be quiet and see what they have to say. It's going to be one of three things. Yes, here's a name and a number. You know, I was just talking to someone about you. You need to probe and, and, and push there. Or, you know, I can't think of anyone, but I'll definitely keep you in mind. All three of those are great. And by the way, I used to get the third one more often than not. But then I would say, hey, thanks so much. I wouldn't make it awkward. I wouldn't say, well, who do you know? And I need to know, you, can't, you cannot, John, leave this office until I get a phone number, right? I would just say, that's awesome. Please keep us in mind. We really appreciate it. We're always looking to work with other people just like you. Point being, and there's, look, there's a lot more to this. There's different ways to bring it up. There was a specific way I did it that fit my personality. I used to tie it back to my situation and I like to be sarcastic and goof around. But here's the point, you brought it up, it wasn't awkward, it was fun, but the consistency of doing that is the key. That's the key. So that's a quick overview. Again, we can go into more detail or, or role play or, or whatever, you, whatever you think. Yeah, yeah. you know, th th there, there's so much more here. I wish, wish we had time to go, go deeper. Um, Trevor and I literally did webinars weekly for the advisors we do coach consulting for during all the, you know, COVID quarantine months, March, April, May. Uh, we probably have 20 of these recorded. Uh, we got a question on there, what's working in virtual marketing? We have tons of uh, even recent webinars around that. So just send me and Trevor and Amber. We're happy to send you some replays of those of what's working. So um, just to close off marketing, the events, uh, that evolved the social media. Look, this was all really helped fuel the referral. It just made it easy because uh, Trevor was constantly being seen. He was constantly um, uh, had regular Facebook posts. He had regular emails. He went out uh, that went out every Friday to his clients, to his prospects. So the consistency again is what made it easy and events were just some ways that helped facilitate those referrals. So I, I like this to cap off marketing here, Trevor, these two questions, uh, take us through these. Yeah, th this is, this might be the most important slide here in the deck. And I, I find advisors lose perspective and they give up too quick, whether it's on referrals, events or social media. 
If you can answer these two questions in the affirmative, then it is a successful whatever. And so my general view is that I want more people to know what we do. Really know, not just that we're kind of in, in investments or maybe you do something with an insurance. I was shocked when I started to look into this about my natural market, people I went to church with that weren't clients, even some of my clients, they did not know what I did. That's a big problem because when things happen, layoffs, severance packages, change jobs, they have, that's the catalyst. They have to think of you then. So how many people really know what you do? And then are you expanding that number of people every day? And so I used to tell my team this all the time. If right now, say 10 years ago, I had 200 people maybe that knew what I did. By the time I exited, it, it had to have been closer to 2,000 or 2,500. Imagine the amount of new clients that would call, just call us, call in, and flows and referrals that would come from that activity. So even when I brought up referrals, but I didn't get a referral, or I did an event, but I didn't get a client immediately thereafter, and I met some new people, that was a win because I'd connect with them on social media. They would go on my email list and they knew what I did. Maybe they had an advisor already, but I used to get clients from events that I did two, three, four, five years ago. And for whatever reason, you know, their advisor retired or they weren't happy. And so you, you're starting to see the magic is in the mix. We had that quote earlier. I'm not just, I don't have just one source where I'm getting new clients from. The primary driver is referrals, but it was these other, these other opportunities as well. And then every time I'm trying to answer these two questions in, in whatever way possible. Awesome insight. So let's talk a little bit about the, the team. As you heard uh, from the beginning, it was just Trevor and Christina and evolved to having some hires, bringing in an AFA, then some interns and a second AFA, and really building a, a, a good team, but an efficient team. So talk about those breakpoints, Trevor, because this is a did the chicken or egg come first conundrum for a lot of practices. I think the capacity you have to grow is very important. Uh, time is, is probably a big inhibitor for a lot of you going to the next level, and you probably need some more help on your team to get stuff off your plate to go to the next level, whether it's administrative tasks or smaller clients, whatever it might be, this is a big one. So Trevor, talk about those points. What were the triggers for you to say, I need more help, I need to make another hire for my business? Yeah, well, you know, we were talking about this yesterday and, and looking back, this was probably the mis bigger mistakes that I, that I made is not hiring soon enough and not hiring, um, superstars or, or, you know, now when I did make a mistake, I usually pivoted quickly. Um, but I think the point I would make here is, is that if you can get marketing right, if you can figure that out and you get the front end right, then it's almost like you're acquiring a, a small practice every year. And then you can fill in, you're, you're basically filling that in with, with uh, new hires and the right hires, hopefully, because you want your advisors um, to be able to do what you do. And that's something that I did get right, is I hired good AFAs that over two or three years essentially became me to a lesser extent and could generate their own new clients and flows. And so 
Um, that's how I looked at my role was to always be marketing and generating new clients. And then when appropriate, giving them to my AFAs while they were also learning my systems and figuring that, that out. Um, I think, I think you've, with John's help or another coach's help, you've got to figure out when that timing's right, but I always got it wrong because I wanted to wait. And I always remember thinking, I wish I would have given more clients sooner and gotten more off my plate and I never did enough. Like I, I, if I had to go back in a time, I would have probably given all of my clients and worked with 50 and spent more time doing the things that really mattered, which really affect the top line. So that, that's kind of a rambling answer, but hopefully that made sense. It, it's so right on. I think people that, that are working with, you know, a hundred top clients or less, they're the ones that have the time and capacity to really, really grow. So that's a big insight from Trevor here. And, and I like his just openness and honesty that, gosh, I wish I would have hired sooner. I wish I would have gotten more things off your plate. Cause for a lot of you, especially, you know, if you're the main franchise owner, uh, you have a group, you are the growth engine and your time and energy is so important. And if it's clogged up with stuff that isn't doing more with existing clients or getting new clients, it's going to inhibit growth. It's like trying to run with shackles on or trying to drive your vehicle with the emergency brake on, you know, take those brakes off, take those shackles off, get the help, you know, think about capacity. Capacity is so key for any business, but you've got to have the capacity to handle more clients, handle more tasks, but you need the capacity to put the time into these growth uh, activities, doing more with clients, getting new clients, really key. Um, profitability was a big factor too. Um, Trevor ran a very profitable business, which is, you know, how he's able to get a, a big multiple on a sale. But let's, let's, um, uh, let's go to this question here. And by the way, if anyone has questions here, um, we'll, we'll kind of do a little Q&A at the end here. So we'll take this one here, Shirley, but give us one last insight, Trevor, uh, from the presentation portion of this. Um, biggest pains that you overcame on the way, any others that we didn't cover here today that, that the group should hear about? Yeah, I, I, one other thing besides hiring, I would have hired quicker. I would have delegated um, more, not, not marketing, never, de never delegate marketing, but I would have delegated more of the other stuff and outsourced it faster. Asset management, financial planning, right? Eventually we, we, we did that and that was some of the best decisions we ever made. Um, but I think systems, the sooner you can get systems and processes in place so it's repeatable, the better. So when it came to referrals, when it came to anything that we had in our practice, we had, we had a clear system. And events, like we just decided we are doing an event and, and a lot of times we were doing the same event, golf scramble, reunion, et cetera. But it was so systematized where we had the invite, we knew that it was you know, gonna go to compliance, then we sent that out and then it was immediate call you know, and then we were thinking about high touch. Wow. And I had people that were doing that. So when I got to the event, all I had to do was take pictures, shake hands, you know, talk to the guests. Um, but we, we had a system where we were always um, following up. Everything was systematized. So that would be another thing I would have done quicker. Because the sooner you can do that, the quicker, you know, you can gain scale, which is, I think, the critical element here. Big one. So just a couple last items. If you have questions, 
down at the bottom right, the chat box, go ahead and type them there. We'll, we'll take those questions for, from Trevor. So we'll send this out, his ultimate success formula. Um, we'll, we'll send it out with a replay, which we should hopefully have by Friday here. We'll get it out to you. Um, so again, just, just post your questions in there. One thing I would recommend everyone think about is the things that got your business to this point, there's probably different things that are gonna get you to the next point. Trevor was constantly shifting along the way. The things that got him here, you know, got him there, and it was different things that got him to the next tier. So think about how many times he doubled his business, and look, and there was some glass ceilings along the way to break through. There was definitely some sound barriers at like 1.5 million and, and 2 million, and um, he was able to rip right through them, but he had to make some shifts up here. He had to make some shifts in how he did things, and that's just the, um, uh, I, I think the the journey of, of of being an entrepreneur, which which you all are. So um, look, Trevor and I are really passionate about helping others get the kind of growth that he have. We have some uh, a, a variety of programs now that we're launching. So um, feel free to follow up with us with just a quick email. We're happy to do a quick um, uh, coaching session with you just to see how we might be able to help you to see if our you know, variety of programs might be a fit for you. If you want Trevor's weekly emails, they're pretty awesome. Just shoot him an email. Um, if you want a copy of my book, uh, just shoot me an email or reply to the, uh, the follow-up uh, replay email that's gonna go out. And then if you want that free coaching session just to see it, if um, uh, we can help you just talk through some of these areas or want to go a little bit further and do a, um, you know, a small limited engagement program or something more elaborate like, like Trevor had with me, we're happy to talk through that. But um, let's go some, through some of the questions. Uh, uh, I got a one great question here, Trevor. At one point, did you limit uh, like the asset amount of clients that you would personally take on? Yeah. So I think, let me say this. I never wanted there to be a minimum in my practice. And so while, you know, in the last five years, I may have said that I work with clients with a million or more or with clients that will have a million or more, which is important because a lot of our clients, they didn't have any assets with us until they retired. And then it was, you know, then they became great clients because they had a 1.5 or two or 3 million. Um, but it's, I think it's very important, you know, for my two AFAs when someone says, you know, I've got this, this coworker that's just starting out. I really want to help them or kids. I always used to tell them, John, we will meet and potentially work with anyone. Um, and so we, Drew and Tyler and my AFAs, we want to help people. And if they're in significant amount of credit card debt and, you know, they're just, they, they, they aren't a good candidate yet. I would tell clients, we're going to spend 30 or 45 minutes with them and help them as best we can and give them free advice and say, once you get to this point, come back and let's engage in comprehensive financial planning. I will tell you that some of my best clients came from clients that didn't have a whole lot either. So uh, that, that's my perspective. I know other advisors say, you know, it's this or, or, or bust, but that's how we did it. Yeah, and along the way, Trevor really upped his benchmark for who he personally worked with. Um, you know, he'd raise it to half million, then he'd raise it to million, anyone under that Drew would work with. He took it to another level, 1.5 million. He wanted 1.5 million to work with Trevor. Uh, then Tyler's on board. He could help, you know, some of the smaller people. So 
that's really important to have those um, th those levels because if you, if, you, if you look at the um, hourly revenue rate you produce or your your profit per hour you produce here, you've got to keep moving that up. And if you're spending time with with you know people that just don't produce enough at your average rate or higher, you're just diluting your your results and you're going to hold yourself back from your growth. So. Always moving up is key and just finding solutions there. Like as some of you are, are, you know, Trevor did a great job cultivating um, some wonderful AFAs and, and developing, developing them. Some of you don't want to do that and that's okay. There's solutions. I mean, you can, you're allowed to use an AFA from another practice. There's um, uh, a group right in Texas we work with who's built their own call center that you don't have to give client away, clients away to Ameriprise. Um, they'll work out an arrangement with you that you can get paid uh, for those people, whether you, you know, sell off the bottom of your book or you, you get some kind of split off of those people. But time is just so critical. So always moving with less people and moving up, I think, is, is really key here. So um, here we got another great question in here. How much value do you put on having uh, uh, like a premium subscription to LinkedIn? For me, I put zero value on that because I could never figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I was on there, I was doing the go social and all that. Um, I know some advisors have had success. All of my success from social media came from personal Facebook. And then we leverage social media. We connect with all of our clients and we ask them to take pictures at our events and, you know, tag us and, you know, just that whole concept. Now, I, I will tell you this, you got to stand out. So now that I work with advisors, you know, I'm connected with a lot of Ameriprise advisors. And when a Go Social article comes out, I see it like 15 times. So everybody's sharing the exact same article. It's just no one's going to click on that. Right. So uh, here's what I know. Uh, cold leads do not convert anywhere near the same rate as warm introductions and referrals. And so the point is, is that if you're going to get good or exceptional in anything, get good and exceptional at your best return on investment. And that is referrals. Your biggest asset is your existing clients. And so I had someone running the go social thing, but I didn't pay any attention to it. I focused all of my efforts, at least on social media, on the personal Facebook, and I engaged, and I was doing all sorts of interesting stuff and videos, and you know that led to other things. For me, LinkedIn didn't uh, didn't ever yield anything. So we got an awesome question from Chad here, Trevor. This is a really common one. So as you moved up, you you went to you know five hundred thousand your minimum in assets, a million, one point five million. Uh, what did you say to those clients, especially ones that were with you from the beginning? Um, how did you explain to them that they no longer met your minimum? They're going to work with somebody else. Uh, how did that go? Yeah, that that is a good um, that is a good question. Uh, so, with John's help again, I had to get out of my own way because a lot of times you think about something in your head, but that's not actually the case. And so we formulated, uh, you know, a loose script and I had the conversation with them and I said, I'm moving more into this CEO role and I, you know, I don't have as much time as I used to. I started to bring in the AFAs 
in those meetings and I would have them lead and, you know, show value. Um, and basically the conversation was, was just, look, we're moving to more of a team format. That is the key, that is the key verbiage. Not that you don't meet my minimum. I mean, I'm up here and you're down here or <laughs> something like that, right? It's we're moving to more of a team, which by the way, Mr. Client, should give you a lot of comfort because if something happens to me, know that there's multiple sets of eyes on your situation. And so, you know, Drew, he's going to take the lead. I'm still going to be here. You're going to see me. We're going to do events and et cetera, et cetera. And usually when I described it like that, it was not a big deal at all. Not a big deal at all. Most people with money want a team concept anyways. And so when you use that, that verbiage, it goes over really well. Yeah, it yeah. should feel like like an upgrade and not a downgrade. I think it's key in those uh, those transitions. So um, uh, I, I've seen a lot of advisors just position that, gosh, this person's going to be able to service you better, um, especially if they, they've been around there. But all the, the research, especially for that five to five segment of, of clients that the Ameriprise has designated as our um, asset range target market, they prefer teams is what all the research says, as opposed to one individual advisor is the only one helping them. They prefer a team. There's a lot more value in it. And the reasoning behind it is, is there's a lot more safety that if, you know, God forbid something happened to Trevor that, okay, there's other advisors here, um, who I could still work with. Or, um, gosh, if, if, you know, that one AFA happened to work with someone happened to them, there, there's others. There's more value in that. There's also uh, the other aspect of it is the collaboration of more minds going into the advice for the client and um, uh, specialists is another aspect too. Yeah, I've seen that be a way that people transition them that, um, um, that, you know, gosh, I really specialize in elbows. You know, this person over here is really our knee specialist. You know, you really need someone to help with knees and I'm, I'm gonna be here, but you know, we should probably have you work with the, someone who who uh, really specializes in, in what you need. You know, that's another way to make it feel like an upgrade. So always be thinking that, how can it feel better to clients and not a, you know, not a, not a downer, but that was, uh, that was a great one. Um, in the last uh, couple minutes here, uh, Trevor, um, talk about profitability. How did you always keep that a focus every step of the way through the growth, through the hiring and, and uh, how did you always keep that top of mind as a business owner? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's as a business, right? You're trying to um, turn a profit. So just, um, you know, hiring people and, and, and acquiring practices and, and paying debt, that just wasn't the model that I wanted to, 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 to do. Plus, you know, when you've been through 0809 or, or th this year, you got to, you got to think through that. So what I did is, is I focused on what drove the top line. I was aware of, of the, the, the budgeting or the expense part. And I also knew that when I eventually exited, people would pay a higher multiple for a practice on the EBITDA, which was profitable. Not only that, but had appropriate systems and could acquire new clients. So that's what I would tell everyone on the, the webinar here too, is don't, don't just think about your compensation. Also think about what organic marketing does for the equity within your practice and how much more valuable it is. It's why I got uh, 
such a high multiple is because the systems were in place. Um, and the EBITDA, which, by the way, is how practices are starting to be evaluated more and more as opposed to just this, this uh, you know, recurring revenue deal. So, you know, that was always top of mind. Um, was I was I really prop, you know, how profitable was I when I looked at the statistics and, and other uh, areas? And that's why I focus so much on organic growth, because if I could acquire 50 new clients, 25 or whatever million in flows, I was basically getting a new practice, acquiring a new practice every year, but I was spending 50, 75, even 100,000 in marketing, as opposed to 750,000 to acquire the same amount of assets. That was an aha moment for me, John, and it really changed how I looked at it after trying to buy a couple practices, which didn't go all that well for me. Yeah, yeah. awesome stuff. Listen, there's so much deeper we could go. We could spend weeks here picking Trevor's brain. Um, I know I need to get it to a coaching session with one of you that's on here. So uh, thank you to all of you for being on. Um, we're we're going to send out a replay. I'm going to send this deck. And um, uh, I, I've gotten a lot of your emails here about uh, getting on Trevor's email list, get my book, and a bunch of you want some coaching sessions. Look, th this is a rare time. I'm usually travel around, speak at a, a, an event or two a month. I'm not doing any of that. So this is a rare time that, that, that we can do some of this. We can help out more people here. So it's not always going to be like this. The events are going to come back, I'm sure, next year. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of those activities when we used to see each other in person. We'll, we'll be there one day soon. So um, uh, email us. We'd love to help you grow. Uh, this is awesome stuff, Trevor. Thank you so much. Yeah, all the best. Hope to hear from you guys and um, would love to help you craft something and get get some growth going on that top line, man. It's out there. It's it's really out there for, for everyone. Awesome. Everyone stay bullish, stay awesome out there, and we will talk to you soon. All the best. Take care.